0: So, mertazepine, sold under the brand name Remeron, has become a popular antidepressant due to its complex mechanism of action. It has unique but useful adverse effects that differentiate it from the antidepressant class as a whole. Like most drugs with a new mechanism of action, though it probably has a rather interesting story doctor papaya what can you tell us about its discovery
1: like you said most novel drugs do have an interesting story and mirtazapine is no different its predecessor mianserin was a tetracyclic compound synthesized in 1966 by organon in the united states the intent was to develop an anti-serotonin compound for vascular headaches dumping syndrome or anti-allergic effects at that time, pro-serotonergic and pro and pro-noradrenergic hypotheses for antidepressant effects had already taken hold. So an antidepressant effect would not be expected from an anti-serotonin compound. In the 1970s and 80s, however, further studies showed that this compound blocked presynaptic alpha-adrenergic receptors in peripheral tissues and in the CNS. And this action was already known to increase norepinephrine release, but these receptors were also later found on serotonergic neurons, indicating that this action could increase serotonin, too. Studies also showed an antagonist effect at presynaptic 5-HT2 receptors, which performed a very similar function. All this provided ample suggestion of serin's antidepressant activity. However, studies of its effects on serotonin concentration in the extracellular space were mixed, and it lost momentum. Now, mirtazapine was then synthesized in 1989 by Organon as well, with a more direct interest as an antidepressant. They found what they were looking for this time, and it was FDA approved for moderate and severe depression seven years later. Interestingly, like and sarin, further studies in the 2000s were unable to demonstrate any net effect on serotonin release. So, while its pro-noradrenergic mechanism of action is well accepted, the serotonergic mechanisms of action for depression have been disputed or rejected altogether. As expected, the story of mirtazapine is
0: both indirect and serendipitous. So that's an interesting story, although it may seem confusing to some as to how the medicine is currently theorized to work. Uh, See if you can give us the simple version. So in
1: simple terms, mirtazapine is an atypical antidepressant and is classified as a NASA or noradrenergic and specific serotonergic antidepressant. It works primarily as a central presynaptic alpha-2 antagonist, which increases CNS release of at least norepinephrine, maybe serotonin, like we discussed before, both of which are known to have anxiolytic and antidepressant effects. Secondarily, it antagonizes the 5-HT2 and 5-HT3 receptors, which redirects available serotonin to spend more time with 5HT1A receptors, the main serotonergic receptor that targets depression. The 5HT3 antagonism also provides an antiemetic effect kind of like ondansetron. Andon- andon- it also has an ancillary potent H1 blockade that along with the 5HT2A antagonism produces the sedating effects. The 5-HD2C and H1 antagonism are also implicated in mirtazapine's popular appetite stimulant effect, similar in mechanism, actually, to ciproheptadine. Finally, mirtazapine does exhibit a weak muscarinic blockade, which, for the most part, is just a source of adverse effects. As a side note, mirtazapine has been found to have a quicker onset of action compared to SSRIs and SNRIs with higher emission rates at two weeks. This is not attributed to any specific mechanism of action, however.
0: So this drug is uh, definitely complex, but that makes it more kind of understandable. Uh, given this, what is mirtazapine used to treat exactly?
1: So mirtazapine was an originally studied for depression, and thus it is only FDA approved for the treatment of unipolar major depressive disorder. Off-label, though, it is recognized for use in insomnia, panic disorder, PTSD as an adjunct, fibromyalgia, social anxiety disorder, and chronic tension-type headache prophylaxis. Although mirtazapine also seems to be a prime candidate for generalized anxiety disorder, there really are just a few studies that have looked at this indication. Two open-label studies showed pretty good efficacy, with one showing response of 80% and remission of 36%. Another use is for appetite stimulation, sometimes in the setting of chronic nausea and usually as an adjunct effect while treating insomnia or depression. We often see this in cancer patients or frail elderly patients who suffer from malnutrition. It also comes in an oral disintegrating tablet form, which can be useful in patients with nausea. Importantly overall, mirtazapine is also a good choice as an adjunct
0: for all these conditions. So only one FDA-approved treatment, but pretty versatile otherwise. So how is mirtazapine administered, and are there any pharmacokinetic effects to consider? A
1: typical starting regimen is 15 milligrams by mouth nightly prior to bedtime. Doses generally ranges from 15 to 45. However, lower doses of 7.5 are commonly used, and even a 3.75 dose is possible by cutting a 7.5 tablet in half. Mirtazapine is metabolized hepatically, but cleared renally. There are no formal recommendations, but for patients on dialysis or CKD-4 or 5 or patients with moderate to severe liver disease, dosage should start at 7.5 milligrams and be titrated up slowly with close monitoring. Elderly patients have a high risk of delirium, and some data, especially in men, shows reduced clearance, so similar cautious dosing is recommended. Mirtazapine does not affect the metabolism of, it, of other drugs, but it is a substrate of CYP1A2, 2D6, and 3A4, so it is susceptible to interactions from other medications. And its half-life is about 20 to 40 hours, which puts it around the middle of the pack for antidepressants as a whole.
0: So there's been a long-standing belief that the lower dose of mirtazapine is more sedating. Can you tell us more about this?
1: Yeah, so the dosing effects on insomnia are indeed a little bit unusual. Data suggests that mirtazapine has a greater H1 affinity at low doses, which is then offset by increasing noradrenergic effects at high doses. Although there is some clinical data to support this notion, the overall data is conflicting. What's important to know, though, is that there are different hypnotic mechanisms at play. The antihistaminergic sedating effects are more obvious and immediate, but tolerance may develop after about a week or two. The sustained hypnotic effects likely arise from antagonizing 5-HT2A and 2C receptors and thus may actually persist at higher doses. Predicting the effects for a specific patient can be difficult, so as usual, a personalized approach is preferred.
0: Well, you'd imagine with all these varying mechanisms of actions and kind of complex interactions, we could expect a range of adverse effects. What problems can mirtazapine cause for patients?
1: So the most common adverse effect is drowsiness, of course, but this is often used therapeutically. Nevertheless, this may really limit its use in some patients. The next most well-popularized adverse effect is appetite stimulation, and weight gain. And they can similarly be useful, but more often than not, they limit its use given the growing prevalence of obesity. This is particularly an issue because increases in cholesterol and triglycerides have been noted as well. Otherwise, mirtazapine does have some anti-muscarinic adverse effects, such as dry mouth, which is the most common, followed by constipation. It can produce a discontinuation syndrome, like many other antidepressants, but it's typically milder due to its relatively longer half-life. And in overdose, mirtazapine is typically mild and only requires cardiac monitoring. There are a few serious but rare side effects. Mirtazapine has been reported to cause agranulocytosis, acute pancreatitis, acute liver injury, but none to the level of FDA black box warning. Like all antidepressants, it also does carry the black box warning for short-term increased risk of suicidality in pediatric and young adult patients. Also important, however, are the adverse effects that it lacks. It does not have any of the nausea, diarrhea, or GI discomfort of SSRIs and SNRIs, except for the anticholinergic symptoms. Also, its risk of sexual dysfunction showed no separation from placebo, although this has been challenged by some
0: non-placebo-controlled data. So it looks like we've got a well-rounded understanding of the important aspects of using mirtazapine, the good things and the bad things. All this considered, uh, who would you ideally use this medication for?
1: The ideal patient for mirtazapine is Probably someone with a major depressive disorder with melancholic features, particularly prominent insomnia, anorexia, with weight loss, and importantly, a normal or underweight body habitus. Unfortunately, again, due to the high prevalence of obesity in developed countries, this combination can be hard to come by. Any of the other off-label indications would be great candidates for treatment as well, again, as long as the sedative and weight gain effects are appropriate for the patient. Even though SSRIs remain first-line monotherapy for most of these conditions, the evidence suggests mirtazapine is not only equally effective, but also has a more rapid onset of action, making it potentially useful in urgent settings. For special populations, cancer patients with comorbid depression or anxiety are usually good candidates when there is disease or treatment-related anorexia. Elderly patients with insomnia and failure to thrive due to anorexia are, are also good candidates. However, they should be carefully monitored for delirium and excess sedation. All things considered, it is a great drug if the adverse effects can be accommodated. As adjunctive therapy for any of these conditions, mirtazapine is again a great option
0: when the adverse effects can be used to your advantage. This is certainly an intriguing antidepressant. Is there anything else you think would be important for clinicians to know for its use?
1: Due to this complexity, I think it behooves us to be deliberate about psychoeducation when prescribing mirtazapine. We really want to be clear with our patients about the multitude of side effects to help them understand and be prepared for the changes in their body and their mind. If not, they run the risk of misattributing side effects to their illness, impairing their recognition of improvement, and losing trust in the medication and clinician. In a field where therapeutic alliance may explain the bulk of treatment effect, maintaining clarity and trust is paramount.
0: Awesome. Well, that is an all-too-often-overlooked point you bring up, Dr. Papaglia. With the ever-increasing time constraints in medical practice, it's vital to know when an in-depth discussion is warranted and when a superficial one with less detail would suffice. Thank you very much for this thoughtful discussion about mirtazapine. I appreciate it. You're up. Thanks.